The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, and the number one show for the invested sports fan. All right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's down to seven seconds. Oh, that's a long way. It's the truth for the win. God, oh! they did it. A miracle. Legends. Double water. Hit that one from the parking lot. For the championship. Shock it off in college basketball. It's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Action Network podcast. This is the college basketball weekend betting preview. I'm Stucky. And with me, as always, is Colin Wilson and Mr. Mike Randall. Uh, we were just talking about ice storms. Um, hope you are all safe out there. I avoided a, a tree branch and I would have uh, died because if it hit, hit me in the head, I would have died because I bet on Nebraska. I was so tired of watching them. I was like, let me go check to see where this branch came from. So luckily I survived. Uh, what's going on, Colin? I think a tree branch came down and hit my plays in the action app with uh, approximately eight losses in the last week by a half point or a full point totals and sides alike. But it continues to amaze me that you've moved south into Kentucky into SEC territory. And now you've like, Traded in your snowstorms and your bad East Coast weather. Welcome to ice country. Welcome to tornado country. Uh, that's why we call us flyover states. <laughs> yeah, the ice is the ice is brutal. Um, Brandon, what's going on with you? You want Same. brutal? You want brutal? How about Fats Russell getting fouled on a three with a minute left in the game last night? St. Louis up thirteen. Then he bangs two more threes, including one with four seconds left to kill me on that cover. But I can't complain because I did, did have Longwood today who decides to shoot half-court shots with seven seconds left because they misread the uh, game clock and they end up banging it from half-court to cover there uh, and, get, and get the outright win. So can't complain too much. Longwood was raining, uh, really living up to their name Long uh, from three in that game. Yeah, St. Louis, by the way, they're, you know, they had that bad loss. They're looking like the team I expected, but, you know, hopefully they have no more breaks. Um, and we're, I'm going to talk about this. I have an interview with Kevin Sweeney at CBB Central later on in the show. We'll talk Big Ten, Tourney in general. We were talking about like this, like St. Louis, because of this breakdown, like they might be one of the teams that gets left out in the tournament if, like some of these conference tournaments decide like their best teams or the best teams just decide that they're not going to go because they're already in the tournament and they steal bids. It'll be interesting, but I do want to look and you almost got that cover and probably should have with uh, Demarius Jacobs and Yuri Collins, who's their point guard didn't play the second half. I'm curious to see how healthy they will be something to note. Uh, We'll have our Friday six pack. We'll get to some Saturday spots. Like I said, I spoke with uh, Kevin Sweeney. We'll get to that at the end. But we have to first – and we have punishments, by the way. Punishments for the six-pack last week. Um, and every time – we did that because we went 0-5. Colin was spared. His game was canceled. And I did that because 
we went out with five, but for now on, we're going to have everyone email me punishment suggestions. If you email me one, you get a monetary reward. So stay tuned to see the one that we use. If we ever have a losing week, ever have a losing week from now on. So it could be two and four. Then the people that had the, had the losers will be punished on the next week's podcast. Yes. It's very, I'm being authoritative, but, uh, and they're, they're not going to be current this, but they'll be funny. Um, is this like and, a Ravel, a Ravel type punishment where all I got to do is walk across a river? Is it that kind of do you, punishment? Do you even do you do you even know the punishment? Because you weren't involved, you don't even know, do you? I don't even know. No. Oh, it's great. Uh, stay tuned. So, but first, we have to start with uh, a look into the futures. Here's the thing about the future: every time you look at it, it changes because you looked at it. Colin is up this week. He brought a trio of futures. We had one a week, so we have four. So far, we have Florida State, 38 to 1, Alabama, 25 to 1, St. Louis, 100 or 125 to 1, and Rutgers, 80 to 1. It's time to add our fifth futures to our portfolio. Colin is up this week. He brought a trio of teams. Take it away, Colin. What do you got? Yeah, so I went looking at one of our articles that we publish year in and year out, and it comes from uh, one of our editors at Action Network, Ryan's, Ryan Collinsworth. And his article each year looks at the adjusted offensive and defensive efficiencies. And he compares those to teams from the past that have won the national championship, finished up, you know, in the final championship game and those of the final four. So adjusting each year, you know, depending on pace of play and number of possessions per game, right now the bar sits at 113.9 for offensive efficiency and teams lower than 96. Uh, on defensive efficiency, and that is looking at Ken Palm. So when you look at that, you know, the 18, the, you know, the past 18 national champions, they have fallen in that range. You look at the past 72 final four teams, 66 of them have fallen in that range. So it's a good indicator. And I wanted that to be the backdrop for the three teams that I produce here, because from now on, from here on out, we're done with 300 to ones, 200 to ones. I mean, we're getting close enough now that it, you've shown yourself whether you can win a national title or not. And there's no sense in getting somebody that deep. So first team I'm going to go with is Illinois. So with each one of these teams, I'm going to state the good and the bad. We tried to get Illinois in last week, and I said, let's hold our horses here because I think we can get a better price if they drop a game. They didn't drop a game, but we lucked out because DraftKings is still holding Illinois at 20 to 1, even though they went through the tough part of their schedule. And I know Stuck loved it, so I'll be real quick on Illinois. They meet the adjusted offensive and defensive criteria. AO is ranked the fourth player by Ken Palm in the national player rankings. Kofi Cockburn is 14th in offensive rebounding, 37th in defensive rebounding. Nebraska and Northwestern are up next on this schedule. That's all the good. You want me to find bad on Illinois? They have one home game versus five roadies coming up. Uh, Maybe it's the time to buy. Uh, They're 319th in defensive turnover ratio. Uh, So they can't take the ball away from uh, opposing offenses, but it's really hard to find the bad with this team. And they just, you know, I think, I think we got lucky as a podcast that this number is still available. Yeah. I, you know, my love for Illinois and the thing that I love about them is they're going through this big 10 schedule and they're fresh and they're going to get better. I've talked about that before. So I think that they're going to continue to improve, um, which is what I like about Illinois. I think that they're a legit final four contender. I, I thought that coming into the year, I think that right now. And I think that they're, they have still room to grow because of, they're a freshman uh, and, and a, a transfer. Grandison 
the contributors who are just going to continue to get experience going through a very tough conference schedule. Um, Buckhead. Yeah, next on the list is West Virginia 30-1 to coming off a really impressive week. The good with them, they meet the adjusted offensive and defensive criteria that we're looking for when it comes to looking for Final Four and National Championship teams. They rank fourth in strength of schedule per RPI, and they're five and four in quad one uh, record. Their only loss is in quad one games. They've, they've swept everything else. So they're top 10 nationally in offensive rebounding, which is one of the four factors that I like to rely on. They're top 50 in free throw rate, another one of the four factors that's highly important. Uh, and Derek Culver is 15th in the nation in defensive rebounding. Uh, they just won at Texas Tech without Taz Sherman, and they've been without Oscar Tshibwe. Uh, He transferred earlier this year, so they haven't had him all of this calendar year. The bad with West Virginia, they're one of the worst two-point shooting teams in the nation, 291st. They lost to Gonzaga on a neutral floor. They lost to Florida at home. So they're building their record by beating up on the Big 12. Uh, so it's really hard to kind of gauge where they are. Okay. I know Randall's going to have a lot to say about West Virginia. I will, too. Um, what do you got? What's your last one? This is going to be completely unbiased. I promise this is unbiased because I had Kentucky the other night. Woo, pig suey. Collins talking Razorback basketball. Uh, Arkansas 100 to one, 100 to one. We want to cut the long shots, but at the oh same, t- <laughs> at the same time, I would like to bring up a team that I think is going to make the tournament. Arkansas in bracketology right now ranked ninth. Uh, I'm sorry, getting a ninth seed. Uh, I think that's only going to improve. Uh, they're going to play Florida here next week on Tuesday. And that is going to be a game that should pretty much decide that very much coveted fourth seed in the SEC tournament that gets you the double buy. So let's talk about the good with Arkansas. They meet the adjusted defensive criteria when it comes to looking at where you're supposed to be in Ken Palm defensive efficiency. Their role players are stepping up outside of J.D. Note and Moses Moody, who really carried this team at the beginning of the season. Moses Moody. Moses Moody. Little Rock Lightning. Justin Smith has returned from injury since Alabama. He's produced an offensive rating over 100 in every single game, and the Hogs have gone 5-1 and one since. Vontae Davis, another role player, he saw a huge increase in playing time since January 9th against Georgia. Uh, if you look at Tate, how much he was slicing into Kentucky's defense the other night, and looping back to Devontae Davis, his playing time has increased so much since the beginning of January. He now ranks 12th in the SEC individually in steal percentage. What's the bad with Arkansas? There's a lot if you take the entire resume. They're two and a half points shy of the offensive efficiency target that we're looking for per Ken Palm. But they are on the rise offensively. But per RPI, they're 0-5 in quadrant one games. When they play somebody that's top 25 at home or, or top 50 on the road, they just haven't got it done. They've won all their other games outside of quad one, 15-0. That Kentucky win, in my opinion, now I'm switching from calling the analyst to calling the fan. In my opinion, that win against Kentucky was bullshit. Uh, Kentucky went 14 of 26 from three. Uh, the ref blew a call at the end, which essentially gave Arkansas the game. Uh, you know, set all that aside from what I saw in the Kentucky game, Arkansas is a team 101 that's going to make the tournament. The ceiling, I think, is a sweet 16, uh, you know, but that Florida game at Bud Walton Arena coming up on Tuesday with, uh, you know, for the double, the double buy in the SEC tournament means everything. But, you know, they win that game out. This 101 has some value. Uh, I'm shocked that you brought up Arkansas without mentioning 90s Arkansas basketball. <laughs> um, looking back in the past for a magical run. All right. Those are your three. 
Arkansas, 100 to 1. West Virginia, 30 to 1. And Illinois, 20 to 1. Randall, you are up first. Feel free to share your thoughts on any or all of those teams and let us know which one you are cutting. Yeah, I love the the pattern here, Colin. You, you, you came in with a mindset and you stayed consistent throughout. So I love that. I'm going to start with the ones I won't knock out. I can't take out West Virginia. Huggy Bear has done such a great job getting this team to change their style since losing Shibway. And his comment when Shibway was out, the next game, they said, what are you going to do? He goes, we're going to win a lot more games. So maybe it was the addition by subtraction. No Taz Sherman. They've run roughshod. They've won five of their last six games. The Texas Tech game, which, by the way, it's nuts. Why is Texas Tech giving six to anyone right now? I mean, with their scoring trouble, really impressive win by them. I think he's got this team going in the right direction. I think they're playing exactly the way they like to play. They're shooting threes at a great rate. McBride can make shots late. I cannot take West Virginia out. So that one I I love, and I, I love the odds as well, 30 to 1. I understand the argument about Illinois because the timing isn't right. So when you're looking at futures, when you get them is critical, right? So they're coming up with a really difficult schedule. So this may not be the time to get rid of them. But the one I'm going to get rid of is is Arkansas. And I, Colin, I apologize ahead of time. I just can't buy into them yet that they can make a serious run. Technically, right now, you talked about the quad one wins. They are technically one and four because they're getting credit for that Auburn win earlier in the year away. But that was without Sharif Cooper. So that win doesn't look nearly as good. They have been better with Justin Smith back. They're certainly flammable. They've had massive, huge, huge wins along the way. But in their road games that they play, LSU lost by 16. Alabama lost by 31. They have the ability to really go cold in on the road. Nikes went over Kentucky, but we know Kentucky's not what they used to be. So I'm going to have to knock out Arkansas. I love the odds, 100 to 1. I get it. I just can't get there that they can put together three consecutive great games at neutral site in the tournament to make a run. So the odds are tempting, but I'm going to knock out your Razorbacks, Colin. I apologize ahead of time. Yeah, I mean, even as a, as a, as a fan, as, as an analyst and as an investor, I don't believe they could win the national championship. But it, you know, at, this, at this point in the season and when we collected these three, we're looking at teams that are in the tournament. How far can they go? I believe Arkansas is a tournament team, and I believe DraftKings has odds on teams to make the tournament, and Arkansas is a favorite to make the tournament. So, you know, finding long shot odds on teams that are looking like they're going to be in the dance, I wanted to bring that to the table. And if they met our offensive and defensive defensive efficiency, uh, if the, if you throw the fan in me, you know how contrarian I am with this team sometimes, and I don't think we could win six in a row, much less three in a row. But they're explosive. I get it because the offense is explosive. They make threes. And you listen, you want a team that can get so scalding hot from three. I mean, here's the thing. Why can't Arkansas do what Alabama did earlier this year? Why can't they get to that point where they're flammable? I just need to see a little bit more consistency on the road. They're an intriguing team down the stretch and maybe the back of the tournament. But and the, the problem also is they, they might get seated that 8-9 line at the play, you know, Gonzaga or Baylor in the second round, which obviously wouldn't be ideal. I, you don't have to, this is no surprise here. Just like last week when Randall took Rutgers, uh, you set me up here to take Illinois. So yeah, I'm cutting West Virginia. Look, a lot of people wrote them off when they lost Shibway. Their offense has been much better. Maybe the best offense Huggins has had since his final four team. And it's a really good offense. The defense is not your typical Huggins defense. 
but they've been running well. And that's why I have an article out on uh, actionnetwork.com and the Action Network app on 10 regression candidates, some positive, some negative. West Virginia, I mean, they're shooting 43.5% from three in conference play. McBride, who can't miss, he's, four, he's shooting 40, 45%. He was 30% last year. Sherman, over 40%. He was 33% last year. McNeil, he's at 38%. He was 33% last year. So I don't know if they can maintain this level of shooting. And on the flip side, teams are only shooting 31% from three against them. Yet, per synergy, if you look at synergy, some of their advanced stats, West Virginia is allowing opponent jumpers to go unguarded on 65, 65% of the time. That's the fifth highest highest bad here, the fifth highest rate in all of Division One. You're talking like down with like Mississippi Valley State territory, who, by the way, got a win, go Delta Devils. So I think there's some regression coming from this West Virginia team. The offense is intriguing with Huggins. I don't think the defense is there. I don't know if they can maintain the shooting clip. So I'm clearly cutting West Virginia. I'm going with a team that I think could potentially take down Baylor or Gonzaga, and I think his final field four caliber that I think has value at this 20 to one threshold. So we are rolling with Illinois. I got my Illini. I L L. Thank you, Colin, for bringing them to the table. We will add a six next week, Mr. Randall, come prepared with your three, but for now, let's move on to our weekend six pack. Six guys, six picks. It's a college hoops weekend six pack. All right, we're now joined by the newest contributors to our College Hoops family here at the Action Network, Kai McEwen, Jim Root, and Matt Cox, better known as the three-man weave. They join us every week this season to help us build our weekend six-pack, six picks for the Friday Night College Hoops slate. You can catch them on Twitter at 3MW underscore CBB and on the three-man weave podcast. Last week, we did not hear a lot of winners, so I instituted new penalties, a new penalty policy that I covered earlier if the six-pack has a losing week. This week, anyone with a losing pick must sing the school's fight song of the team that you backed last week. Colin, you are not obligated to do so since your game was canceled. Matt, you also received dispensation from this as well since Oakland had a player scratched late. Rashad Williams, Bakai, and Jim, and myself, and Randall, you are all on the hook. Jim, what do you have to say for yourself? It was an ugly, ugly weekend for us last week. Certainly wasn't even close with my FIU bet there. But you know what? They have a lovely fight song, and I get to put a, a, a wonderful tune into the listener's ears. So it's not it's not all bad. There's a little bit of a win here, a silver lining, as they say, Kai. Yeah, you know, the Jack Bunnies didn't come through, Jim, on Friday. They covered Saturday, ironically. But I'm still going to ring the bell for my South Dakota State Jackrabbits, as I always do. Let's get right to it, Kai. You're up first. Take it away with the South Dakota State Jackrabbits fight song. Ring the bell for South Dakota, the yellow and the blue. Cheer the team for South Dakota with loyal hearts so true. Win the game for South Dakota. The school that serves us well. We will fight for South Dakota. So let's ring, ring, ring those bells. All right, beautiful. 
Jim, you're up next with the Golden Panthers. You better show some enthusiasm here for their performance last week. We are the Panthers of FIU, the Golden Panthers of FIU. We continue to fight with all of our might, victory for gold and blue. We stand together and proudly say, our Golden Panthers go all the way. We'll always strive for victory, blue-blooded through and through, cause we're F-I-U. Wow, that's fantastic. Uh, I think you were practicing. You must have been. Pretty good voice. Matt Cox, how do they sound? Sound great. I mean, Jim, I know you have some pipes. You were I'm a little hesitant to disclose those. I was hoping you let those shine through. But I think overall, I give it a B, B minus. I'll take that. All right. Well, now, Randall. Randall, it's your turn. Let's hear it for UIC, your boys. Fire up flames. We stand behind you. We love the red and blue. We'll cheer you on to victory. We'll be there. Oh, so true. Fire up flames. You'll be a winner. They'll find it hot when we turn up the heat. So march today to victory because we cannot be beat. Very well done. Randall, you sounded a little sad singing that. Were you thinking about that USC game last week? Just take the under. Why didn't I take the under? Jesus. All right. Well, I'm also obliged to do this as well. I'll do this right now. I backed New Mexico State, who has an absolutely spectacular fight song. Let's give it a shot. Aggies, oh Aggies. Bills will send back the cry. We're here to do or die. Aggies, oh Aggies. We'll win this game or know the reason why. And when we win this game, we'll buy a keg of booze and we'll drink it too. We wobble in our shoes. Uh, is it real? Is uh, keg of booze really in the fight? Club? Yes, it is. Shit. We'll buy a keg of booze and wobble in our shoes. Um, I do have the worst. <laughs> That's a bold team that you're talking about. The keg of booze. America. Holy God. All right. Uh, that did feel like a punishment. So, all right. There you have it. Those are our punishments served. Thank you for the suggestion. Reach out if you were the one who suggested that. All right. Enough singing and dancing. Let's get to the picks. Kai, you're up first. What do you got? All right, guys. We're going to New Mexico State. Minus six and a half. This team is dripping with talent and starting to hit their stride. Get ahead of the curve and get on the Aggies. They were the heavy favorites to win the whack in the preseason, but COVID shutdowns have held them back in the starting gate. No longer. Former Utah Ute Donnie Tillman is back. Jabari Rice has been excellent in their last two. They just smoked Cal Baptist by 27. I think they're on the right track now, guys. They're the 10th oldest team in the country. Top seven players on this roster rotation are all seniors and juniors. Chris Jans, one of the very best coaches in America. Frankly, what is not to like about this squad? And now they get the weakest Seattle team of Jim Hayford's four-year tenure up there in the Northwest Hey, if, if Riley Grigsby is out too for Seattle, that's just a nice bonus. I like New Mexico State here, minus six and a half. I don't hate it. By the way, I'm gonna I'm actually going to bet all of our six-pack picks from here on out as well as a sign of faith. I'll put them in the app as well. Um, so I can't believe I have to bet this New Mexico State team again. Yeah, I mean, the hard thing is, just the hardest thing about this year, it's they had 
they were impacted by COVID. They weren't getting the practice. It's like, how much do you penalize them for that? And when are they going to figure it out? And it looked like they did against Cal Baptist. So I, I don't hate it. I think there's value in this number. But again, it's a tricky COVID year. Uh, but I'll be riding with you. Go Aggies. Hopefully you're not singing that song. Well, you'll do it better than I did next week. All right, Jim, what do you got? I'm going to keep banging my head against the wall in Conference USA here. Last time I faded UAB in our six-pack, they got down 24 to 1, 37 to 11 at halftime. That sounds fun. Why not do it again? The thing about UAB, though, is their schedule has been the great British baking show. It's been all cupcakes. They have yet to play a Ken Palm Top 100 team, only one Top 150 squad, and that was an East Tennessee State team that was still meshing with a whole bunch of transfers. Most importantly of that, they have only played two squads in the top 200 of turnover rate offensively. And for a UAB team that's super reliant on forcing turnovers on defense, that's huge. One of the teams they played, Chattanooga, was shorthanded, and they still lost to them. So you get you face a Louisiana Tech team now. They can take care of the ball a little bit, much better than a lot of UAB's competition. I think they can produce quality shots, and UAB's defense is still due for some regression on that end. Foes are making just 30% from downtown. On the other end of the court, this is the first top 125 defense that UAB has seen. I think they'll really struggle to create points, especially if they're not scoring via turnovers. Ultimately, this is just a solid spot for Louisiana Tech. Five of their last six have been on the road, while UAB has been at home for five of their last six. Now you flip it. Big chance for Louisiana Tech to take down the team atop the Conference USA standings. Give me the Bulldogs minus one. I would take it up to minus two. Jim, we are back. We had a two-week break. Uh, I don't know. We've greater dumb minds think this is my circled game as well. I agree with everything that you said. We are back together again, and it feels good. Uh, my the spot circled up for most of the reasons that you noted. Uh, I think UAB is a bit overinflated in the market now. I assume this line will go up. I like Louisiana Tech to win this game. All right, Matt, what do you got? Yeah, we're going with North Florida, the Birds of Trey, a fan favorite of everyone's last season. This team went head-to-head with Liberty atop the Atlantic Sun, both tied at 13-3 and three atop the conference standings. Roll the calendar forward to 2021, and a lot has changed. Both teams had nucleus gutted this offseason, uh, Liberty being the stronger program under the uh, the great Richie McKay there. They, they, they've kept their – they've held their water at the top of the – you know, they're still the cream of the crop in this league – on the other hand, North Florida has sort of fallen down the totem pole, but this team had some major injuries to start the year. Carter Hendrickson, Dorian James, both missed upwards of three or four games. They're back fully healthy. They now get their first crack of this season in a revenge spot against Liberty. And so far this year, we've seen a lot of these A-Sun teams get geeked and amped to take down the former reigning champ flames. So far this season in the first legs of the back-to-back in the conference Liberty is 0-4 against the number, not covering by an average of 12 points a game. They almost lost to Kennesaw State for crying out loud. So with North Florida from that angle, they have a great value with the fact that those injuries I mentioned earlier have not been fully baked in the line. They're playing better as of late. Couple out with the fact that it's a favorable matchup for the Ospreys here. They play very extended zone defense that basically shuts down any and all three-point shooting. This year's rendition of Liberty is living and dying by the three ball. They're going to have trouble scoring in this matchup. And I think if you're catching anything more than 12 points, the birds of Trey are a lovely player. Uh, I don't disagree. I, I, I'm, I'm going to put some money on it because I am, I'm backing all of our picks. But I will say, keep in mind that North Florida has been off for 
mm, two weeks as of the, when they play this game tomorrow. So last time they played was on January 30th. And Liberty has also been off, but they actually scheduled a game uh, against Lancaster Bible on February 5th. And these teams that have been off two weeks, they're still on. I mean, they're at 41% against the spread when it's yeah, not covering by an average of about two points per game. So there's clearly rust and it's just not in rhythm. So I agree with all the reasons you said, but keep in mind that after they come back, if they don't cover, if they do get blown out, um, I think that you can go back to them Saturday. North Florida also has been a lot better on the second game of back-to-backs. They're a pretty deep bench. You know, they lost to Jacksonville on the road, then they beat Jacksonville. They lost to Lipscomb, Lipscomb on the road by 12, and they beat Lipscomb the next day. They swept Kennesaw State, as most teams do. Then they lost to North Alabama, and then they beat North Alabama the next day by 10. So they are 4-0 in the second game of the back-to-backs, and in the first game, they're 1-3 with the only win coming against Kennesaw State. So keep that in mind. Um, all right, well, I'm rolling with La Tech. So um, I guess we will – yeah, so we can only – we can go three and two or two and three, and uh, we'll share in the punishment if we go two and three or worse with Jim. Colin, you're up first. What do you got? Oh, get off the schneid, brother, or pick a canceled game. Get off the COVID cancer game. Yeah, I'm going to go – I'm going to go deep. I'm going to go take North Alabama plus six. I mean, they're on a three-game losing streak, both straight up and against the spread. All of those have been on the road. They haven't played at home in quite a while, and they're facing – Bellarmine, who's on an eight-game winning streak, and they've covered four of their last five. The Knights' last four games come against the worst teams in the nation, so I'm really not that impressed with Bellarmine. 317th-ranked Jacksonville per Ken Palm. 349th-ranked Kennesaw State, uh, sitting in that nice nine slot there in the conference. I just haven't been impressed with what Bellarmine has done, but yet they keep winning and they keep covering against really bad teams, and I think this is a great spot to catch North Alabama plus six. So they're in a funky spot, though, with the standings in the conference with four conference losses. This is a monster series, back-to-back games, where the one seed has been reached, which is Bellarmine, but so is the eighth seed. So the Bellarmine defense is actually eighth uh, in effective field goal percentage. Of course, ninth being Kennesaw State. If you look down at the Summit League, uh, Kennesaw State's just kind of off into their own their own planet. They're like Pluto. They're outside of the galaxy. But if you look at Bellarmine, they're eighth defensively in effective field goal percentage. Uh, that's kind of odd for being the top team in the conference. On the flip side, North Alabama fields the third best two-point defense, which is where Bellarmine works exclusively is down in the paint. So North Alabama's got the defense to contain what Bellarmine does. Bellarmine's dead last in point distribution from beyond the arc, so they're probably going to try to pound it inside, and that's going to go up against the North Alabama team that is second in blocks through summit play. Uh, so I see them as a live dog here, North Alabama plus six. Don't hate it. I think that there is some value at plus six. Uh, Randall? Folks, the Action Network is as genuine as it comes. And this is proof because we do not consult about these picks. I am not picking a side in UAB, Louisiana Tech, but I am picking a total. The Blazers and Bulldogs, they both have strong defensive teams. They can struggle mightily on offense. UAB, second slowest pace of any team in Conference USA, and they've held their last four opponents to 60 points or under 
Three of those teams under 60 completely. Senior guard Quan Jackson there with the Blazers. Pressure attack on the ball. Forces the highest turnover rate in Conference USA play. Now, when the Blazers are away, they don't allow a ton of points either. Look at the opposition in the totals against UAB. 61, 37 to Charlotte. Without Quan Jackson in that game, 59 to Middle Tennessee State. Louisiana Tech's defense is actually ranked at a higher efficiency in Ken Palm than the Blazers. 42nd overall in adjusted defensive efficiency. They're also the best in Conference USA at defending the three-pointer. They hold their opponents, Louisiana Tech, to 28% from deep. The Bulldogs also don't shoot well from the free throw line, only hitting 67.5%. This is a close battle between two teams at the top of Conference USA. I don't think that's going to translate to high scoring. Projected as a one-point spread here in Ken Palm, you heard Jim Root and Stucky talk about it. This is going to be valued possessions. This is going to be a close game. The last two times these teams played, 117 total points, 130 total points. Ken Palm has it about 131. I bet it opens north of 130, but I don't think it hits that. I'm going to take the under in this Conference USA battle with the Blazers and the Bulldogs. All right, there you have it. Our Friday night six-pack. Good luck to all playing along. Now let's talk some Saturday spots. So many games, so little time. Let's look at the Saturday slate. All right, I'll kick things off. I'll have a piece up tomorrow with all of my targets. I'll start, uh, this is going to be painful, but I'll start with a team that burned me at the end of January, Bowling Green. They are in free fall mode, and, but they just can't make a shot. I mean, it is, it, it's stunning. They've lost seven of eight. They're shooting 27% from three during that touch, 30% from three in, in league play. The shots are going to start falling eventually. This is, I think, one of the – they have shooters. They have capable shooters. They have Justin Turner who can create. I think it's a really good matchup against Toledo. Toledo, I know Toledo is uh, Toledo's coming off of a bad loss at Ball State, but Ball State made a bunch of threes. That was coming. This Toledo defense is garbage, and no one could hit an open shot against them. So I think it's a perfect storm here, rivalry game here. Bowling Green needs a win in the worst way. They're sliding. You know, Toledo has been the class of the conference. I think you're going to get uh, a, a valuable number here. There's uh, Kempa makes us uh, 11. Would love to get 11 here. Uh, would love to get really anything over eight or nine, but double digits would be lovely. So I'll be looking to back the Falcons, and hopefully shots can start falling. Randall, I mean, what do you got circle for Saturday? You know, this Villanova game against Creighton reeks of the time that Villanova went down to Texas on December 6th and pulled that win. They had a COVID break. They had the loss to St. John's. They absolutely destroyed Marquette in the second half and had an impressive win over Georgetown, who was really hot, who just beat Creighton. So you're going to get Villanova even at a pick, maybe giving one point, going down to Creighton. I have been a little disappointed with how Creighton has played, their defensive intensity. They lost to Butler, gave up a huge lead. Providence at home, they lost to. Villanova is still the class of this conference, of the Big East. 
I think Villanova goes down to Creighton, plays very well. I also think they control pace. They play very slow. I think they're going to defend the three well against Creighton. I like Nova here to get the win at Creighton against a Blue Jay team that's solid but has struggled at home against quality competition. I also like the under as well because I think Villanova controls it here, and you're going to get a big, big number like 155, 158. I know Creighton scores at home, but in the games against Xavier, they only scored 66 points. Home game there, you know, when they ended up playing uh, a team that, that can play some defense, they held Seton Hall down. So I think they're gonna, it's going to be a lower-scoring game. UConn also played very well there. Villanova is the class of this conference. They prove it again. They're going to get the win at Creighton. I also like the under. I lo- hey, I love it. You bring some color, some passion. <laughs> I love it, man. Oh. We can't do this podcast without talking about the biggest back-to-back game of the weekend, which is Loyola-Chicago against Drake. I think the thing that shocked the hell out of me, and I knew I wanted the Ramblers going into this, uh, there was some rebounding edges that I saw, definitely some defensive edges, uh, you know, ranking eighth in the country in adjusted defensive efficiency. Amazing what's happened in the futures market. I believe a number we were talking about at 300 to one just two or three weeks ago is sitting at DraftKings at 40 to one right now on Loyola, Chicago, but they have to prove it this weekend against Drake. They have a lot of defensive advantages here. Uh, and for Drake, I'm just not sure that the shooting is going to be able to get them by on the other side of the ball. Loyal is just going to pound it down low. 73rd in the country in two-point distribution. They rank third in the country in uh, two-point percentage, 60% from down low. That's going to be able to take advantage of Drake. The thing that shocked me, Ken Palm calls this a three-point win for Loyola Chicago at Drake. I think the entire world is probably going to be on Drake getting points at home. And this may be a spot where our Ramblers can come through with us and prove the reason why their futures have gone from, say, 300 to 1 to 40 to 1. So uh, count me in. I'm taking the Ramblers as favorites at Drake. Yeah, I, I couldn't lay three there, but uh, it's a game I have to dig into. And you're right. it's We're going to learn <laughs> more about Loyola Chicago um, because I, we'll talk, I'll talk about this later with Kevin Sweeney. Like the one thing that I have questions about Loyola Chicago is, the, and look, one of the reasons Drake has been undefeated is the Valley's down. The Valley's down this year. When Loyola went to the final four, like if you go back and look at Ken Pop, the final Ken Pop ratings, all, every team in the Valley finished in the top 150. You look now, there's a, a number of teams that are outside the 200, outside the top 250. Uh, but don't hate your analysis. Uh, I'll bring up another ugly one. I, I was I talked about West Virginia's regression. I think that we're going to get some value on Oklahoma on the road. Um, I do have questions about Oklahoma's perimeter defense, which is scary going against a West Virginia hot shooting team. But I think that they're due for some regression and some misses eventually. I think they're shooting over their heads. But I already talked about that one, so I'll bring up San Francisco. Um, I think this is one of the smartest against Gonzaga. Every game, I almost see value fading Gonzaga a lot. Sometimes I choose not to because they can just. I'm like, how good is this team? Do I really not know? But I'm usually lower by a couple points, so I would love to get anything north of 15 here would be lovely. Let's see, Kemba makes it 17. I mean, think about that. It's Gonzaga. It's not crazy. Gonzaga. San Fran's a good team, top 100 team. Gonzaga's. Kemba makes it 17. I make it like 15, but there's, so I would, I would, 
you know, but I, I'd be, I think, willing to play this at around 15 or 16 because of an intangible factor. And it's the San Francisco coaching staff. I think that they're one of the smartest coaching staffs in all of college basketball. Just when it comes to in-game analytics, they're brilliant, like end-of-half situations, end-of-game situations where they, you know, if a team is in the one-and-one and they're holding for the last shot, they'll foul so they can get the ball back. Um, little things like that, which add up over the course of the game. Yes, they did just lose by eight at home to Pepperdine, but they were on a, a, a COVID break. They last, their last game before that was January 23rd against St. Mary's, which they also lost. They got pounded by Gonzaga by 23, the first time they played in Spokane. But I, I trust the staff to make adjustments. I think we might get an inflated number. I mean, San Fran is one of those teams that is just – they always are going to give Gonzaga something that they're not used to seeing. I mean, last year they lost by four to Gonzaga at home. They lost by four in the conference tournament, if you remember. Um and then they lost by 17 on the road to Gonzaga. So they'll come up with a few wrinkles after seeing Gonzaga already that I think can help get them inside this number. So I'll be looking for the Dons on Saturday. Randall, what do you got? What's going to happen on Saturday is what happens every single time Duke plays. Duke game is going to be posted. Duke's going to be a favorite. The public's going to bet on Duke. The number's going to go up. And Duke's not going to cover or not even win outright. In this case, they're going to NC State. I know they don't have Devin Daniels. Duke is projected to be a one or a two point favorite. Folks, Duke is three and 12 against the spread. Three and 12 this year. Everyone's waiting for the regression. Maybe they're just not good. Maybe all the mental things that Coach K does with the team, giving them the War and Peace book to read, maybe it's just not working this year because the team isn't gelling and they don't have the same practice time. You need to trust somebody you don't know at all. NC State is home. Jericho Helms has been fantastic since they lost Daniels, banging 24 points at Syracuse, 23 points against UVA. I will gladly take points here against NC State, a team that shoots a three well and plays good defense and forces turnovers against a Duke team right now that is completely, completely lost. Folks, keep waiting for the regression with Duke. Keep betting on them because the number keeps going up. Maybe I'll get lucky and get three points. Either way, I'll take NC State as the home dog. If I spend every waking moment trying to just beat you, eventually that becomes a shallow life. That can't be what motivates me. Yeah, I mean, it's just they're just soft. That's the, whenever I watch Duke, that's really what I come around, come off thinking. That it's just this team is soft. Fading them has been quite a profitable venture so far this year. Colin, what do you got? Yeah, so as we've been recording this podcast on Thursday, uh, Minnesota has beaten Purdue by three. So let me ask everybody a question: five and zero at home against ranked teams. There's something about the barn this year. It's crazy. They're leading into my play here. When's the last time Minnesota won a road game? Oh, they haven't this season. They have not won away from home. Not one? Not one game away from home this season. Not even a damn neutral site. Now they're going to go and play Maryland on Sunday. And if you look at the Terps, they'll be going into this game off two losses against Ohio State and Penn State. Ken Palm says this game's going to be like a one-point game. I mean, forget it. Give me Maryland off of two losses against many who can't play on the road. Comes off a game at home against Purdue that looking at post-game win expectancy, they probably shouldn't have won. So I'm blindly playing the Terps on Sunday. Yeah, that is a huge, huge bubble game as well. 
tiny programs, big winners. It's time for your small school bet of the week. All right, if you want your hold your nose bet of the day, it potentially could be, I mean, I, this we're getting ugly, 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 ugly. It could be Fordham against St. Louis. Fordham might have value. I, I think the line's going to be inflated. St. Louis has a couple players banged up. They still are not a good free throw shooting team. They're just a hard, huge favorite the way that they play. I don't know if I have the stomach to bet Fordham. And look, Ole Miss trending up on through the bubbles. Huge win over Missouri. Huge win over Tennessee. Beat Auburn in overtime. Everyone's hyping them up. They actually might be due for some positive regression as well, but they're going to South Carolina now. What does that mean usually? (laughs) This is when South Carolina normally would win this game. So this is probably a spot where you can sell Ole Miss high. Randall, what do you got? I'm a Boston College alum, so I feel like I know this team inside and out. They struggle, period, and they especially struggle during COVID. Winston Tabbs, who was really the key guy after a fantastic freshman year coming back this year, has not played for several games. They, The only reason they kept the game against Wake Forest close is because Jay Heath went nuts. Three of nine from three-point range for him. He's very streaky. Here, they now they have to go up to Syracuse and play an orange team that usually gets it together. And listen, you're getting a good number here because Syracuse didn't cover five consecutive games before a very impressive win there at NC State covering the two and a half. They were getting two and a half and they actually won by nine. BC's in disarray. The team is going through COVID. They struggle. Jim Christian's on the hot seat. Syracuse is getting together. They are not shredding that zone at Syracuse. I'm going to lay the number here very comfortably. Probably will open under 10, which is crazy. I think Syracuse covers no problem against my alma mater, which is just not trending in the right direction right now. Yeah, I don't know who's like, is Tabs Tabs going to play? Is Langford going to play? Ashton Langford, if two Langford, thank you. Yeah, Langford is, DeMar Langford, he was out last game, so was Tabs. They're just such a – I mean, they're so shorthanded. What do they go, seven deep? They, have, they only have like That's 10 right. or 11 guys on the, on the roster. So, I don't know who's playing. Their zone numbers have been bad. Fully healthy, I love this Boston College team. Yes. Not as like uh, a, a sweet 16, but this they have, they have players. They have offensive players. I, I was going to – I was excited to bet them as an underdog at certain spots during the year, but COVID has just crushed them. Um, Colin, what do you got? Yeah, I'm going to end out on Arkansas and Missouri, of course, but it's a great buy low, sell high spot if you're looking at recent one-game samples, which is Arkansas winning at Kentucky by one where really technically I don't think they should have gotten the win there. Uh, And they're going up against a Missouri team that was sort of embarrassed on the road against Ole Miss. I do believe in this Missouri team. Uh, I do believe in their defense. And specifically, when you look at what Missouri wants to do on offense, they love to pound the paint. They're not really an outside shooting team. They're third in the SEC uh, in two-point percentage, and that is something that Arkansas does not excel at whatsoever is defending the paint. Uh, I think this is the reason why I mentioned Arkansas in the futures piece before is because Florida is the big game at home. That's on Tuesday. I expect them to lose on the road against a Missouri team that just got embarrassed when Arkansas probably should have been walking out a rup with a victory. All right, there you have it. Wraps up our Saturday look ahead. We will have tons of content on ActionNetwork.com, the Action Network app on Saturday's card. Before we get out of here, let's uh, get to my interview I did earlier today with Kevin Sweeney. 
From the Southern to the Summit League, the MEAC and the Missouri Valley, there are over 350 Division I programs. So let's get acquainted. This is Conference Confidential. Kevin Sweeney. I'm sure some of you follow him on Twitter at CBB underscore Central. First time guest on the podcast. One of my favorite followers on Twitter. What's going on, Kevin? Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's uh, following you on Twitter for a while. I love your stuff, so I always have to hop on. We're going to talk a little Big Ten. I know that you are a Northwestern guy. We'll get there. We'll start high level, do a little rapid fire. Um, let's just start at the very top. You have to pick one and tell me why. Take one horse to ride with, Gonzaga or Baylor? Take Gonzaga. This Gonzaga team is the best college basketball team since the 38-1 Kentucky team. That obviously doesn't mean they won a championship because the 38-1 Kentucky team didn't win a championship. But I think when Gonzaga plays their best, we saw it, especially some some of the games early in the season, West Virginia and Kansas, the the offense is impossible to guard. They're they're built – exactly the way I would build a modern college basketball team. They have a great coach. You know, they have some experienced guys, some younger guys. It's exactly what I would want to do if I was building a college basketball team from scratch. So, look, I, I think they're really good. I, I, don't, I don't know who's going to guard them. I would love to see the Gonzaga-Baylor matchup. It's going to be a lot of fun if it does ever happen. Uh, but to me, I just think you know, the ability to have you know a guy not have a great night, like a Suggs can be quiet or a Kemi can struggle like they did against West Virginia – Okay, Kisper can beat you. Oh, by the way, Andrew Nempard, who was you know, one of the better players in the SEC before he transferred, he, he can beat you. So they just have so many guys, so many weapons, and to me, they're, they're the best team in the country. Yeah, they uh, as a as a better, I despise betting against them because they could be what was it, San Diego? It's like oh, it's 10-9, 10 minutes in. They they, they could they go on a twenty two nothing run in in between media timeouts. Um, the offense is so explosive. Um, but that's a bold statement. They are extremely good. I do think that they are clearly – it's Baylor, them, and then everyone else. If you had to go to war with three other teams, so you package any three teams you want to potentially win the tournament and knowing that they're probably going to have to go through one uh, of Gonzaga or Baylor, which three teams are you taking? I think I would take Illinois, Ohio State, and Alabama. Because I, I think Alabama is not one of the five best teams in the country, but I think if you're looking at like a high variance high enough variance, team yep. that can do it, like the, their ability to shoot the three combined with the defense, I think is enough where you say, okay, like this, this is something. And and it would it's going to be hard for them to string five or six in a row, but you know I really like the tide. I think Illinois has the top end talent that you need to be in a game like that. I think the interior, you know, with, with Coburn is, is really tough. And you know, the guards with, with obviously Tsumu, but I think also when, when Miller and Frazier are hitting shots and Carbello is bringing energy, I think they, they're really, really tough. And then Ohio State, you just battle tested, right? I mean, every Big Ten team will be. I, I question the defense at times, but at some point the resume speaks for itself. And, you know, it's not a knock on Michigan, I, who, I, who I think is a really good basketball team. I just think if you, you made me take one of them, uh, and put them into into one of those battles against Baylor or Gonzaga. I just think uh, Ohio State has, has more ways that they can beat you. Um, you know, they they obviously Liddell has been terrific, and Washington can hit shots, and they just play together, and they have a great coach. So to me, those would be those would be the three. But you know, I think, and, and I'm sure you feel the same way. Like after after Gonzaga and Baylor, like there's eight to twelve teams, and you can 
buy into a couple. Everyone buys into a couple of them. And I think everyone's list is a little bit different. So it's been fun. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I, you bring up a great point with, with a high variance team like Alba. I mean, that's why I think in order to beat, I think Gonzaga or Baylor, they're going to have to not play their best game. Right. So they're going to have to have a little off shooting night. Like Baylor can't, it can't, if Baylor keeps shooting 45% from three every night. They're going to go to the title and play Gonzaga. I'm assuming they're going to be on different sides of the bracket. Uh, so they're, you know, either one of those teams got a little off shooting night and then you have to play a team that, plays a high variance style that's going to hit a bunch of threes. And that's, you know, a team that you didn't bring up that I think you could throw in that conversation is uh, we've seen it before, Villanova. Um, you know, a team that's going to just take a ton of threes and they all, you know, they shoot 58% from three on a night. And that's how I think it's going to happen. Because I, I can't remember, maybe Illinois, I mean, this is 05, Illinois, North Carolina, the 2010, Kansas, and Duke were like two teams are way above the rest. And Kansas lost to that Northern Iowa team in the second round. So, yeah, I, fantastic answers. I don't disagree with anything you said. You mentioned two Big Ten teams. Well, I guess before we get into the, the contenders in the Big Ten, I know you're a Northwestern guy, so let's start at the bottom. Well, I guess not quite at the bottom. We're not going to talk to basketball. But where? what are your thoughts on Chris Collins and where this Northwestern – program is headed look like I, I tried to be optimistic after the, the three-game winning streak and I and everyone was was ready to jump on the train and I had people texting me who had you know worked for Collins and knew Collins was like oh it was always inevitable they were going to turn this thing around and I said told our horses it was one week it was a great week but it was one week and you know since then I mean we've seen the same exact issues that have plagued this program for the last two three years really since the NCAA tournament run, which is, you know, inconsistency, an inability to close games, um, an inability to, you know, put a full 40 minutes together, um, and, and an inability to make adjustments, right? Like Northwestern won those first three games in Big Ten play, partially because Michigan State was down we didn't realize it, but partially because Northwestern came out and did something completely different than they had ever done on offense, which is this kind of five-out thing with Pete Nance initiating. And – all of a sudden, once everyone had the had that on film, Northwestern had no ability to adjust. And now they're kind of regressing back towards what they did last season, which is like, okay, we're gonna slow it down a little more and grind it out. We're still gonna, you know, we're still gonna do some of these five out concepts, but like for the most part, it's the same. You know, it's 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 the same story. And you know, the Indiana game was truly like an epic, epic watch, an epic collapse. I mean, you couldn't take your eyes off of it. So Look, I, I'm I'm a frustrated Wildcat right now. Um, I think, you know, at some point, you know, every, everyone says it's Northwestern, it's Northwestern, it's Northwestern. You're not you're not going to be good, whatever. I my opinion is this: like Northwestern has the money to compete with anyone in the Big Ten for the most part, and they pay well. Northwestern has amazing facilities. It's on, it, you know, a great campus and and academics you can sell to certain recruits. Obviously, you're not if your goal is to to win by recruiting Chicago public school kids, you're never going to win at Northwestern, but you can get a bunch of kids from across the country like Stanford has done uh, and, and, and land talent that way. Um, and by the way, the expectations are low, which is a good thing as a coach. You, you, win, you make the NCAA tournament once every three years at Northwestern, they'll build you a statue. They nearly built Chris Collins a statue for one NCAA tournament. So, look, I mean, I don't, I don't think a move is getting made this offseason in terms of like a hot seat thing, but this is not a very good basketball team. Um, there's an AD search happening right now because Jim Phillips, the uh, athletic director, is now the uh, commissioner of the ACC. 
once that gets cleared up, then you know, once you have an AD in place, then you can start thinking about the, you know, the, the future direction of the men's basketball program. But I can't say I'm an optimistic uh, viewer of the uh, Chris, Collins, Chris Collins era. I'll say that. Yeah, I mean, what, if you could profile another team of what the ceiling for a good comparison of what the, the ceiling for Northwestern basketball could be if they did everything perfectly, is it like, I don't know, because I think they're right now, what are they, I don't know, around, I got to look at my power but they're probably around somewhere in like the 80th to 100th best team in the country. They, early, early to mid-2000s, that was Virginia. Good academic institution. You know, they had some talented players. But, they, I mean, they do have history, uh, Virginia. I don't want to ignore that. Um, but now Virginia is, you know, a top 10 perennial team. Is that kind of the what, how Northwestern should approach this? I think the ceiling is there to, to be a, you know, a top 25 college program. I think, realistically, the ceiling is there for almost any Power 5 program. Look, Texas Tech was nothing. Texas Tech was not a job that anyone wanted like six years ago. And then Chris Beard has made it an elite program because he's an elite basketball coach. And if you find that guy and, you know, I don't know, I don't know who that guy is for Northwestern. You know, a lot of people say Porter Mosier would be a guy you target. If you find that guy, any, any program would be that good. I think, you know, realistically, Northwestern is always going to be football first, basketball second, and that's okay. Northwestern's always going to be, you know, one of the worst jobs in the Big Ten. That's okay. But Northwestern has the ability to become a, you know, a, a team that is in the mix perennially to get into the NCAA tournament. I think that is the realistic, you know, goal. So, so, so what, what program is that? I think, I think honestly, you kind of model it. I think you kind of run it like a big East program. I think you run it like some of the, you know, private schools, like, you know, like a Providence, uh, Butler is kind of a Marquette, you know, same region, you know, a place where you can win, you know, is there a ceiling on what you can do there? Yeah, there probably is. But but you can win there, and you can make NCAA tournaments, and you can do everything you want, and you can recruit nationally. And I think I think that's really the the model for Northwestern, other than as I mentioned, kind of Stanford, which just gets thrown on all, all the time with all of Northwestern athletics because Stanford, Stanford, and you know we love our academic schools here, and can eh, can always measure Northwestern will always measure itself against Stanford because that's who we are. Yeah, yeah, and there's plenty of examples. Uh, Georgetown, you can go way anywhere. So yeah, I think it could be done. Um, and you're right, it might be just the coach has to go. I don't, I don't know if uh, Northwestern's going to make that move. But enough about Northwestern. You did mention before I go a couple more things in the Big Ten. You did mention Porter Moser. Is this Loyola Chicago team as good, worse, you know, better than the team that we saw make that run? I, I think who, who was uh, they had. I believe, I mean, Krogberg is on that team. Williamson, I think, was on that team too. So they have a couple – and it feels – it, I mean, we've obviously been through a pandemic and, like, last year felt like seven years. But I'm like, wait, there's still – I forgot that some of those guys were on that team that made that run. Is this Loyola Chicago team as good as that one that made that run? So I haven't seen them in person because of the pandemic. And I, I remember the first time I watched in person that Final Four team. And you just, like, could tell while you watched that they were a special basketball team. Like, and it was it, – it, it, there, there was a connectivity about them that you don't see every day. So I, I, I haven't had that qualitative look on them yet. But I've watched them a lot on TV. And actually, you know, I asked Clayton Custer – and Lucas Williamson, that exact question, where do they rank? You know, this team versus that team. Custer said, you know, they were joking around in the basketball offices, and he thought that the, the, this team this year has a higher upside. Lucas Williamson said he thinks this team 
is better than than the Final Four team. And the numbers are numbers back it up. And look, they don't have the win, the quality win that says you know here we are, like the Florida win was for that Final Four team. But and they're really, really good. They're they're they are deeper. Um, certainly, they are harder to guard. I think because of you know, how much they can run through Crutwig. They're better defensively, um, and, and and they're experienced. They're battle tested. So you know, this is this is a really, really dangerous team. And you know, I wrote about I wrote about them actually this week for for Sports Illustrated. That was why I was talking to Custer and, and Williamson and Porter. And this is it's an awesome program. And, and to watch their growth and you know the four years that I've been in the Chicago area has just been. It's been unbelievable. Um, I, don't, I don't think I've seen a program on, on a trajectory like this in throughout the country. I mean, it's just been – I mean, 10 years ago, Loyal Chicago was, I think, 1-17 in, in the Horizon League. And, and now they're, they've won the Valley or come in second in the Valley each of the past four years. They went to a Final Four. Now they're on path to uh, be an at-large team again this year. So special group, special program, and a special coach in Portland. Yeah, the, the only thing that I would – and I, I agree with you. This team, I think, is a legitimate top 20 team. And if you're in a legit top 20 team, you certainly have – I don't think they could beat Gonzaga or Baylor, but yeah, the, they get the right bracket and they can avoid them. They can go to the Final Four again. My only – to play devil's advocate, the only thing that I would say that gives me a little bit of hesitation is just the Valley is down in general this year. I mean, that year where they went to the Final Four – and by the way, tournaments are random, people. Remember, Jay Wright couldn't win. I mean, that Loyola team went to the Final Four because they hit a three-pointer at the buzzer in the first round uh, uh, against Miami. But the Valley, that, that year, uh, I mean, what, I think every team might have been finished in the top 100, 150 of Ken Palm. And now you have a bunch of teams that are outside the 200. I think some outside the 250. Um, but Porter is an excellent coach. And, yeah, that team has a style. They're experienced. And uh, they've – a couple of them – in. Been in the tournament, made a run before. That won't hurt. Um, all right, let's close up on the Big Ten. Uh, we've talked about a couple of the teams in the upper echelon. There's two others I want to talk about just to get your quick thoughts on. The hot topic in the Big Ten is uh, over the past few weeks is Iowa. Like, are they a complete fraud? Is this a team that it's just all offense are not going to defend? And if you look at similar profiles historically, these are teams that are out in the first weekend. Um, can they figure it out? Is it just they need C.J. Frederick back and healthy? Um, what are your thoughts on Iowa? Really polarizing team, I think. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to defend. Like, we kind of knew this. They had, a, they, had a, they had a couple moments at some point where you thought, okay, maybe they're making some progress on that on the floor. I thought Keegan Murray had brought them some energy on that end in particular. But, look, this is not going to ever be a really good defensive team. And I think they really are what I thought they were in the preseason, which is they're one of the 15 best teams in the country, but they're not one of the five best teams in the country. And they're kind of in, in, in that float around tier. And I get that, you know, everyone wants to, you know, raise all the alarms because they lose four out of six. And, you know, Fran McCaffrey has his history of these, these February swoons. You're like, okay, it, it, here it goes. It's happening again. That's, that's unfortunate, but that's the reality of the situation. I'll be able to handle this. But you know, once Frederick is back and, you know, I think, you know, they look much better, certainly with him in the lineup, even though he didn't, you know, score a point against Rutgers. They were really in control of that game uh, the entire way. I think that's that's a really encouraging sign. So I, I'm not big on the, like, okay, Iowa is the easy team to get bounced out in the first round or the second round. I don't know who's dealing with Garza. 
in a setting like that. But are they vulnerable? Sure. But they're also, as we mentioned with Alabama, certainly a high variance team. And, and I certainly wouldn't want to line up with them in a, in a one game situation because you watch them occasionally, especially I think, I think in some ways they go with Bohannon, you know, when he, when he goes crazy from three, which he's capable of doing, it's like, all right, we have no chance of stopping these guys. So I think they're a good team. I don't think they're a great team. They have a ceiling because of their defense. That's all you can really say. But it's certainly a fun team to watch when they when they play their best. Yeah, I mean, the offense is so good that, yes, they give up a ton of open threes and that their, their zones can look ugh, at times. But, you know, look, if they play a team on – in the round of 32 that goes bonkers from three, they could still win like 90 to 87. I mean, that's how uh, good that offense is. And the last team I'll mention, and, and I agree with you, I started out, I had, I was a little too high on Iowa coming here. I had them at like, I think fifth power. It is like my fifth best team. And now they're around like 13th or 14th, which is where I, I, I think is a fair spot for them. Another team that I've dropped throughout the year, and I've been disappointed in them. And I'm just, I want to get your thoughts on them is Wisconsin. I don't really know what's wrong. Is it Nate Reavers? Is it they're a really experienced team? At you know they were coming on at the end of last year. I think they won like eight or nine straight to close out the year, and this year it's just kind of middle. They just can't get any momentum during conference play. Is this a scary team come tournament time? Do you have any feel on the Badgers? I don't love them. Um, I, w- I will say this. I think people came in loving them a little too much this season because they bought into a run last season that was dictated heavily based upon them shooting the absolute lights out for the month of February and into March, right? They, they just didn't miss threes. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I, I, I ran a number, uh, look at it in the off season. And it was, they shot like over 40% from three in the final month of the year. And then when they went on that winning streak and that was never going to sustain itself. And, and without that, that was always going to weaken their offense to a point where they were a lot more vulnerable playing in, in the best league in the country. Now, is it frustrating to see this team kind of, you know, yo-yo back and forth? Okay, good performance here. Now, now, now bad one. And, and, you know, for, especially for a senior laden team, the fact that they haven't strung together three straight wins since Christmas is, is a little bit concerning for me. And in, in terms of projecting out a deep run, um, I'm also a little bit surprised that Reavers and Potter's development is kind of uh, flatlined. I thought that both of those guys would have, you know, bigger seasons this year. So, yeah, I mean, I think the talent level isn't that high, and it wasn't that high last year in, in November and December when everyone was, you know, creating all this panic about was Wisconsin like a, as a program toast under guard, and then all of a sudden they turn around, they won the Big Ten, and everybody acted like the problems went away. And the problems didn't go away. The, the reality is they're still like a mid-level Big Ten team talent-wise that's pretty well coached and super experienced and everyone's seen the Bulls stat that they're all in the Bulls and it's great, you know, and, and if they wind up in the right matchups and, and start hitting threes like they did towards this point last season, no one's going to stop them. But, you know, in, in, in the meantime, they're probably like the fifth or sixth best team in the Big Ten when they're not, you know, torching the Nets. And so is that is that a second weekend team? Uh, I guess we'll see. Yeah, and we were talking about, their, you know, high variance teams. This is a, a team that, is going to play slow and you can see them in the first weekend they play a, a Furman and it's going to be 53-50 with five to go um, and it's going to come down to a few shots. Uh, all right, before I let you go, um, I really do appreciate your time, enjoying the conversation, taking more of your time than I said I would. 
Uh, any quick thoughts on conference tournaments? Should they happen? You have a lot of takes on this, and I usually agree with them. Um, and then are we doing – are we – everyone says, oh, I just need March Madness, me included. Are, are we doing the right thing, doing it in Indianapolis and doing this bubble? Or do you think that we should have conference tournaments? Just quick thoughts there. I think March Madness in Indianapolis is without out the right move. I think that's been um, as planned out as, as it can be. Will there be bumps? I'm sure there might be. I think that the planning stages to essentially the, the big goal is of, of, of the bubble is not to eliminate a chance of a positive case. It's simply to eliminate contact tracing during the tournament. And that means that you don't have to put teams on pause if one guy pops positive. And, and I think they will be successful in doing that, which means we'll have a tournament and everybody's, you know, finances will be saved and we'll have a lot of fun for a couple of weeks because March Madness is the best thing in the world. Uh, as far as conference tournaments go, Look, I'm I'm torn. I I I think they should happen because it's not March without them, and you know I I think they they are a central part of the season. I do think that you know we might start to see some gamesmanship and okay, how can we get out of our conference tournament where we're a lot yeah. and we don't want to risk it, uh, and that will be interesting. Well, will leagues as a whole get into some gamesmanship? Okay, can we steal a bid by if we're the American yeah. Conference telling Houston to sit one out, and you know, we'll, we'll we'll see how that goes and. I, my understanding from listening to Dan Gavitt's comments, the uh, head of basketball for the NCAA, is that essentially they, they don't care how you're assigning your auto bid as long as you assign one this year. Like they're not worried about the, the details of how the conference work, conference tournament works. So, you know, it, it could get could get wacky. It could get super interesting. And uh, you know, I, I I think at this point we're on a path to play most, if not all, conference tournaments. I think leagues are kind of bought into doing it and have pretty made, much made it clear to teams like you're all in, you know, you're, you're not sitting this out just because you want to, but obviously as we get closer, that can, I could certainly change as, as the situation changes. I try not to look more than about a week ahead these days. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not complaining about anything after not getting March Madness last year. I, and look, I want conference tournaments. I want the whole tournament. So I'll take what it gets. I, I just, my concern is that I don't, there, I mean, I have two kids. I don't want these, you know, the best teams to have an outbreak and then not be able to play in like the first weekend. But then, so I get why some, like, you know, I mean, Gonzaga's, I think, a couple weeks ahead of time. But I get why some of these teams that are already in wouldn't play. But then I also don't want the tournament – now, ultimately, I won't care. Just give me the tournament. But I don't want the tournament watered down where, you know, a St. Louis doesn't get in because uh, this other conference is sending a team because, you know, their best teams didn't participate in the conference tournament. So it'll be wild and crazy, but just give me the tournament. Um I appreciate your time, Kevin. You, again, you can find him at CBB underscore central. Anything you want to plug? Yeah, I mean, check out my my work over at uh, Sports Illustrated. I do Bracketology twice a week, uh, Stars of the Week column where we kind of highlight the, the best and brightest in college basketball. And then, you know, feature stories like the one I wrote about Loyola Chicago, kind of sustaining the culture and through their Final Four run to now. So stuff like that's always out and uh, tweet them all out on my Twitter page. You can find all that in my podcast. and all the stuff that, that, that fills my time uh, up on Twitter. So I'll kind of link there. So appreciate you. Appreciate you having me. Perfect. Uh, yeah, it was a great combo. Thanks for your time again. And uh, make sure you check him out on Twitter and all the stuff at Sports Illustrated. Uh, thanks again, Kevin. No problem. Thanks, as always, to Colin Wilson and Mike Randall and to the guys at Three Man Weave. Let's have a weekend. Let's start it off with a winning. Why don't we sweep Friday six-pack? Um, and uh, – Have a good weekend here. Thanks for listening. As always, appreciate the sport. 
subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe. You know the drill. Leave a review. Have giveaways to do. Need some more reviews. Takes two seconds. Really helps us out. Tell a friend, tell an enemy. I appreciate your time. And uh, let's close this season strong. We will catch y'all next weekend. Cheers. Peace out. Get that popcorn. We're finished talking.